everyone. Welcome to the Live Revolutionary Podcast, and I'm your host, Vanessa Cruz. Well, listen, I've been quieter than usual over here. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss a moment with our new son, Zachariah, aka Zachy, especially for his first year. For those of you who don't know, my husband and I had been believing God for 10 years to be able to conceive. And on March 10th, 2020, yes, the week of the initial lockdown, we gave birth to a sweet baby boy. And now every morning since then has literally felt like Christmas morning. Now that he's a bit more independent, he's 16 months as of this recording, I feel the liberty to get back to doing some things that I love. So I wanted to pop in and say hi to you all. Everyone, thank God, is healthy and well by us. I pray the same for you too. I wanted to talk about a pattern I've been seeing in my therapy practice, and and there are some concerning cycles in dating that I've been picking up on. Have you ever noticed repeating patterns in your love life or wondered, why you keep ending up in the same relationship or situationship, even with different partners, your answer or answers may lie in your attachment style. Now, I've talked about attachment style a lot on this podcast. It's my passion. It's one of my jams, attachment trauma. And so, yeah, I've released a couple of podcasts on this subject already. In specific, I talked on attachment theory in length. So, If you are unfamiliar with what attachment theory is, go ahead and check out episode 14 and you will get all all the information you need there. In brief, attachment theory was founded by a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst by the name of John Bowlby. Bowlby was interested in understanding the separation anxiety and distress that children experience when they're separated from their primary caregivers. So his study and findings led him to believe that one's relationship with their parents during childhood has an overarching influence on their social and intimate relationships in the future. Mm, It's so good. In other words, your early relationship with your caregivers sets the stage for how you will build relationships as an adult. So some of you are like, oh, okay, cool. And some of you, some of you might be like, oh, dang. <laughs> okay, so his findings, along with another researcher, would built on and resulted in what we call attachment styles. And so those four are the anxious attachment style, avoidant, disorganized, and then the, the one we all attain to, the secure attachment style. So today, I want to talk about like a specific dynamic that I've been picking up on. And that is how the anxious attacher, okay, which would be the one who sort of enters into relationships and never quite attains that feeling of security. They're always constantly questioning where they lie in the relationship. Like even if their partner is like, I love you, like I want to marry you, we're, we're doing this. And that person has given you every evidence that they are trustworthy, you still find yourself questioning, are you good enough? Are you sure you love me? You know, and all of those sort of those insecurities come up for you, where there is this underlying fear, you still might lose that person. Okay, so those are some symptoms, if you will, of what an anxious attachment style would feel like or sound like in a relationship. And so I want to highlight and take a look at what I've been picking up on is anxious attachments style peeps connecting with 
themselves and finding themselves in a toxic cycle with narcissists. So let me first start out by saying that those who have an anxious attachment style and those who fit the criteria for the narcissist personality disorder have both suffered some form of early childhood attachment wounds, whether neglect, rejection, abandonment, or maybe the loss of their primary caregiver. So either way, an attachment trauma is present for both individuals. So this isn't a podcast demonizing those with NPD or narcissist personality disorder. Instead, what I'd like to do is bring some awareness as to why you might find yourself drawn to this specific type of interpersonal dynamic. And and I'm speaking to the anxious attacher. I want to help you figure out what is it about those who display these narcissistic tendencies that are that are attracting you to this kind of person. So I want to talk about three common reasons you might be susceptible to falling into a cycle of narcissistic abuse and how to get out of it. So the first and most common scenario I've encountered as to why some people have a tolerance for narcissistic behavior is due to having a a caregiver who displayed narcissistic tendencies. So unlike emotionally mature parents whose priority is to meet their children's needs, support their healthy development, and nurture their individual identities and giftings, narcissistic parents put their own needs first and do not recognize their children as separate individuals. So there is something called individuation. It usually happens around the age of 14. And that's when the child starts to have the the ability to see themselves different from a parent. And so maybe that didn't happen. Maybe instead, your parents continually leaned on you and applied pressure on you in places in your in your relationship with them as parents that were unhealthy. And so another term for this kind of behavior is called parentification. The parentified child may be placed in the role of, of therapist, confidant, or even surrogate spouse. That child or others in the family also may be burdened with excessive chores, caretaking siblings, um, managing finances, or earning money for the household. So this type of scenario will most likely inform a child or adolescent's attachment style and can easily find themselves taking on the caretaker role in future relationships. Now, if a person with a history of parentification links up with a narcissist, with somebody who displays narcissistic tendencies, it can be very hard for them to identify the unhealth in that relationship simply because they already have a tolerance to it. So their partner's narcissistic traits like uh, an excessive need for attention, mood fluctuations, lack of empathy, all of those things may seem normal, uh, even familiar, and not even appear unusual. So this kind of scenario can become severely toxic and incredibly triggering for a person with an anxious attachment style, since most narcissists are generally avoidant attachers. And since a narcissist has an inability to form and maintain deep, vulnerable attachments, it can leave an anxious attacher or parentified person in a cycle of confusion and exhaustion. The second scenario I've encountered is some folks just naturally have strong tendencies to want to love and nurture something. In other words, you don't shy away from a project 
And because narcissists have a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, well, it on the outside, it seems like it's a perfect fit. That's until you are in a season of needing support from your partner and you realize they are incapable and lack the capacity for empathy. Again, most narcissists have experienced some form of attachment trauma. So this is when it can become scary. A narcissist will inevitably manipulate or gaslight, do whatever it takes to make you feel guilty or sorry for them. And oh snap, somehow they're the victim now. So this is because a narcissist will unconsciously choose a partner who is a projection of their mother or father in an effort to seek the unconditional love that was not given to them during childhood. The third scenario is not having a good example or understanding of what a secure attachment style looks like. In other words, you just don't know or didn't know better. So folks who lack boundaries and assertiveness can easily fall prey to a narcissistic personality simply because they can be incredibly winsome and appear strong, which can be attractive for shy and passive types. But underneath it all, narcissists struggle with deep insecurity and low self-esteem and tend to seek control in relationships. So this can create an imbalance in the relationship that can lead to physical control, emotional control, even financial control. And before you know it, there's codependency. So there are definitely more scenarios to explore as to why one could find themselves in a relationship with a narcissist, but I find these to be the most common. What I've also experienced with those who are on their way out of a dynamic like this is a sense of guilt that's riddled with like why and how questions. And I think it's because most people assume they should know better or should have had better judgment. But the truth is narcissists are deeply wounded people who have learned to present themselves very well and hide their flaws in order to fill their void of love and acceptance. So they're seeking assurance that the person they are with will never leave them and they're willing to go to great lengths in order to achieve that. So here's some preventative tips and guidance if you currently find yourself in a situation like this. Number one, know thyself, right? It's important that if any of this sounds familiar to you, that you make the necessary time and space to go on a journey of self-understanding and awareness. So I love this quote from the Biblical Counseling Coalition, quote, self-awareness and the various techniques we use to cultivate it ought to show us how our fears, insecurities, anger, envy, apathy, self-righteousness, and other struggles keep us from loving God and others with freedom and fullness. Self-awareness, then, is not the ultimate goal. It is a means by which we become aware of our desperate need for Jesus, end quote. So see, when we come to the realization of how we fall short, even in the area of interpersonal dynamics, and it causes us to draw near to God for change, it creates a dependence on Jesus, who is the healthiest attachment figure. And that dependence on Jesus is actually how we learn in real time what having a secure attachment figure looks like, because Jesus models a secure attachment for us. So simply put, our partners should reflect the healthy and secure love of Jesus. And when you become more familiar with that agape love, every other form will just feel off. Okay, number two, for those who tend to hold out hope 
that you can fix someone or feel confident that your love can hold each other down, I want to gently remind you that people don't heal unless they want to. Even Jesus asked the disabled man at the pool, do you want to be healed? Because sometimes we get comfortable with our discomfort. And before you know it, you might be enabling the very behavior you seek to change and only strengthening a cycle of codependency. I remember a scenario when a person was asked why they stayed with their partner when there was clear signs of codependency. And the person said, well, I'm helping them build their credit right now. And if we separate, then they may not continue the good streak. If this sounds familiar, I want to invite you to examine why you are comfortable with this dynamic. Sometimes We like to feel needed. Sometimes we're terrified of being alone. And sometimes we're just stuck and we don't know how to get out. Number three, sometimes we just didn't grow up with a good example of what a healthy relational dynamic should look like. So it's not just a lack of boundaries, but inexperience or having a poor example of what healthy boundaries look like. So what I like to do in any given scenario is have a person specifically study what a secure attachment looks like and become familiar with what healthy looks and feels like in a relationship. And you can do this by, you know, simply Googling the secure attachment style. And I've had some difficulty finding content on this subject from a biblical worldview outside of buying whole books. So if you have the attachments book by Clinton uh, Sibsey, you will have a whole chapter to glean from from there. Another resource is a book called From Bondage to Bonding, Escaping Codependency, Embracing Biblical Love by Nancy Groom. So following this podcast, I plan to dedicate a whole episode on God and the secure attachment style. I have an obvious love for attachment theory, and I hope you find my research helpful. Number four, lastly, it goes without saying that as a therapist who has a therapist, finding yourself a counselor who works from a Christian worldview can be an invaluable asset in your healing journey. Well, that's all for now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Do you reside in Illinois? I just launched the Remedy Counseling Practice. Our mission is to provide counseling from a clinical yet biblical worldview. You can learn more at theremedycounseling.com. And remember to think, feel, and live revolutionary.